You're listening to episode 85 with Jackie Jarrell, Operations Chief at Charlotte Water and current president at Water Environment Federation. This episode is brought to you by the Rogue Water Lab. Hi, this is Dr. Tobin Redwine, Instructional Assistant Professor in the Department of Agricultural Leadership, Education, and Communications at Texas A&M University. This is the podcast that's demonstrating the power of storytelling in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. We are proud to announce our new nonprofit venture, Rogue Water Lab. A tribe, an experience, a calling, a hub where you can learn, connect, and grow. The lab is cultivating the next generation of innovators in water communication and education. Why? Because progress is a human story. And those who tell the stories rule the world. So the question now belongs to you. Are you ready to join the revolution? Okay, Water Nerd, you may need to listen to this one both in your commute to and from work because we just got so wrapped up in our conversation with Jackie that we just couldn't cut anything short. So this one is a full hour and sorry, not sorry. So we cover a lot of things. We talk about some of Jackie's biggest goals for this year as president. We also talk about WEF's strategic plan, which I can't brag about enough because it's a single page and it's amazing, but also some of the things that are in that strategic plan, especially related to diversity and inclusion, which are such important topics in our industry right now, and also workforce. What are some things that she's heard going on in WEF? What is Charlotte Water doing to bring more operators and more folks into our water industry? And What do we do to engage better with the folks that are already here, our young professionals? How do we get them engaged, get them involved? How do we make sure that we're getting them to WebTech so their voices are heard and they're around the table too? And she has some great tips on how to do that as well. And also just some words of knowledge and wisdom to the young professionals that are just so driven to create change in the industry and the world and how sometimes the frustration of working in a risk adverse industry can sometimes be daunting and she has some great words of encouragement around the absolute value of resiliency and patience also talk about the incredible importance of mentorship and she gives us a magic piece of advice for all of us to follow. So without further ado, here's WEF's Madam President. Let's get to the show. Jackie Gerald, PE, is the 2019-2020 president of the Water Environment Federation, whoop, whoop, an international <laughs> organization of water quality professionals headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia. Jackie has been with Charlotte Water for more than 29 years. Recently, Jackie was appointed as an interim deputy director for Charlotte Water. This has expanded her role to oversee customer service, communications, industrial pretreatment, laboratory services, and the industrial pretreatment program with more than 60 significant industrial users. As a WEF member, Jackie has held multiple leadership and committee roles, including serving as the chair of the Utility Management Program Symposia and the first vice chair of the Utility Management Committee. She is actively involved with the North Carolina Water Quality Association, a regulatory advocacy organization of utilities in North Carolina, and is a past chair in a current board member. So, so excited to have you with us today, Jackie. Thank you for taking the time out of this busy Monday to spend with us. Thank you. Oh yeah, my pleasure. It's always fun to talk with both of you. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, so first of all, I just want to say thank you for not kicking me out of your presidential suite at WebTech <laughs> for instigating a breakdance battle. Wow. Um, it was uh, epic. I have video evidence of... Um, of some awesome WEF members getting down in the presidential seat. So thank you for being cool enough to let that slide. Oh, no, that, no, that was great. And, you know, it shows how versatile water people are. Mm-hmm. We have the artsy side to us along with the technical side. When all else fails, you can break dance. <laughs> I know. That's right. We'll just bat- celebration. battle it out in the breakdance circle. So um, we're going to start with the first question that we ask all of our guests. And I love all the answers that I get. But as... Madam President, do you think (laughs) that you chose water or water chose you? I think that water chose me. And the reason I say that is when I first went to college, I had no idea. Like I went into engineering just because everyone said, oh, you're good in math and science. You should Mm. go into engineering. Mm. And then when I went into engineering, I didn't know what kind of engineering. And if it hadn't been for some really wonderful mentors teachers that kind of pushed me along the way and said, hey, and introduced me to the environmental side of things and specifically wastewater treatment, I probably would have ended up being a transportation engineer. Really? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, because I was headed that way. And so I had an environmental engineering class, learned all about wastewater treatment and about the environment and water quality. And I was like, this is so cool. And the next thing I knew, I was working for the city and working for the utility department, which is now Charlotte Water. And uh, yeah, that, that was, that's it. It, awesome. it chose me. Yeah. Nice. I, have a similar, I have a similar story for my experience in college where now when you said that, that made me think about it, that really it was, it was hearing about the wastewater side that was really... It, that really kind of grabbed my attention because that's something that we don't hear a lot about. So it was right. that's what grabbed me. So yeah, I always say that in college, uh, the thing that just... Or actually, it was my graduate program. The thing that really grabbed me was that I got to hear a water story in a way that I'd never heard it before because for as little as people understand or know about their drinking water, they know significantly <laughs> less about what happens after they use it. And so that just... Yeah, so that's why uh, that's why we have such an affinity for mm-hmm. WEF and uh, the men and women who work in that industry. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, when you really realize it and realize that that water is going to someone else's drinking water supply, mm-hmm. how important it is. And then, of course, all the ecosystem itself, the beautiful places we love to take walks and hikes. And I mean, that's all what it's all about. Yep, yep for sure. <laughs> Well, we've gotten to know uh, you a little bit this past year. We met you at UMC last year, Mm -hmm. and we were so excited to see you um, have the gravel pass to you. The gravel. The gavel. I'm I'm in the country right now. That's okay. Gravel. Okay, so we've gotten the chance to know you this past year. We met you at UMC last year, and we are so excited to see the gavel pass to you at WEFTEC this year as you became the new WEF president. Um, tell us your thoughts on this new role and the, this new endeavor. Endeavor. I can't talk today. It's Monday. <laughs> it's Monday. So, um, I mean, I, I'm so honored, really, honestly honored and humbled by the idea of being WEF president. Like I never imagined myself in this role. I mean, much, 
you know, much less just being on the board of trustees was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's a, it's just almost unreal to me to have this opportunity. And, um, you know, I just really see it as an opportunity to be able to, um, be a voice and be a role model, um, and, um, be able to help get the message out about water quality and the value of water and why it's great to work in the water workforce and all of those things. And hopefully being a model that other people, when they see me, they might say, oh, I can do that too. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's really important. And so I want to be sure that I can do a good job at that while I'm in this role. And I also have a wonderful board to work with. We have like an amazing board. The people are so talented, knowledgeable, and they all have these different perspectives. It's been so interesting to be able to grow with them and learn. And I've just learned so much from all of them. And and they become, you know, lifelong friends. It's, It's really awesome. Well, as a woman, it's incredibly uh, powerful, empowering, all of that to see a woman at the helm of uh, this huge organization. Uh, WefTech, our first time to WefTech was actually last year. Mm. And so it was amazing to see not only Eileen O'Neill as the executive director, and then I have Jenny Hartfielder up there as a president. And for us being our first experience at this conference, it was just like... It felt so good to like see both <laughs> yeah. of them walk out on stage together, and so I'm I'm so uh, I'm so awesome that that you get to take up uh, after Tom. Like I mean, Tom also did a great job, but you know, oh, like, yeah. as a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like, what is uh, as president? What does success look like to you when you're the one standing on the stage in yeah. 2020? Well, one thing I want I think that will be successful to me is that we continue to roll out our strategic plan. Mm. So. Um, Three years ago, we developed a strategic plan. And we did that because, you know, in the past, I think while it was all very good, things would change from year to year because there wasn't like this plan for where we were headed. And so we wanted to make a plan that the board could use as a roadmap and help guide the organization. And we created our, um, our, uh, goals and our mission statement and uh, our objectives. And so we're working through those goals. And it kind of helps everybody because a lot of these things that we're trying to do, for example, the work we're doing with diversity inclusion, you can't get it done in a year. Oh, yeah. You have, it takes time, you know, to go through these things and they're really important. So we don't want to start something and then the next year, you know, start something else. So. for me, success is continuing to move those programs and initiatives forward and specifically the diversity and inclusion um, as part of our workforce initiatives, the overall workforce initiatives that are so important mm-hmm. to bring more people into the workforce, but also to identify um, the types of skills we now need in our workforce and to um, and to really focus on other aspects of our workforce, like our operators, which is part of my passion. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's the idea of 
making WEF and continuing to make WEF a bold leader in the water sector. That's really, you know, demonstrating that so that what I'm hoping is that next September or October, when we have WEF Tech, there are things that we'll be able to bring forward to the org, to the members of the organization, the people that are at WEF Tech. Here are some of the great things that WEF is leading. Here's the things that we've gotten done this year to show that we're leading the way. Mm. And I think we have a lot of initiatives that are going on right now. Everything from stuff with biosolids. Um, we have the Renew, which is the nutrients, energy, and water, you know, looking at how we, um, resource recovery and, and looking at, um, how we promote and support utilities in their efforts to improve, um, resource recovery and energy efficiency. And, um, so there's, there's some things in place now that I think we're going to see some results um, in the in the next year, and um, a lot of people. We have great members and volunteers that are working mm-hmm. really hard. So I want to be able to highlight that a little bit to kind of share what people are doing because it's not just the board. It's the, we have a great staff, and we have all these volunteers that are working really hard, and that's how we really extend our reach is through that in our member associations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, two things. Number one, I've said this before, but uh, don't know if you've heard it. I like I brag on WEF all the time that mm-hmm. y'all's strategic plan is a page. I think <laughs> that is amazing from like an implementation perspective. Mm-hmm. Like you. Mm-hmm get these strategic plans that are 200 pages. Like, I don't want, I don't want any part of that. Like, how am I going to make that happen? But (laughs) you guys like pared it down to what's most important in a way that people can pick up. I know exactly by looking at this, what the call to action is, what the mission is, what the values are. And, you know, let's get going and and let's figure out how we can meet those. So kudos to, um, kudos to y'all to be able, Mm -hmm. anyone who says I can't do it. If a member association as large as WEF can do it, you can do it. Yeah. Um, and I love that you mentioned uh, diversity inclusion and its significant role in the strategic plan. Um, you actually shared an idea uh, just in passing. It's like passing through classes when you're at WebTech, you know, <laughs> what everyone's up to. Like, you spilled an idea about you know how, how you see opening general session going in 2020. I'm not going to spill the beans, but when you when you when you brought that up, it it brought up your own heritage. And so I wanted to, to talk to you a little bit about about that and ask you why things like that, um, that those things that make us diverse are so important and so important that we bring them to work. We bring our whole selves to work. Yes. Um, so my background is that my parents were f- from Colombia, South America. Mm-hmm. And my sister and I were both born in the United States, but we grew up learning our culture and our heritage and I'm very, very proud of it. And my parents um, really instilled in me um, a a service to the community and working with people and respecting people no matter where they came from, who they are, what their education level is, anything, just respecting people and and humankind. and my father was a, um, he was a recycler, reuser, over. <laughs> it was the popular thing to do. So, nice. you know, just, there was a lot of things that they, they did um, 
you know, they grew up, both of them grew up very poor. And so there were things that they learned from that. But just having all those things, growing up with all of that, and also being maybe a little bit different from a lot of the people in my community, I learned a lot about respect and how people treat each other and how important it is to uh, be able to relate to someone else and how important it is to hear other perspectives. And so now what I see that's so important is, you know, um, we've, in the United States, we've always, they used to, they always use the term melting pot. And we Mm -hmm. talk about how people come here because it's um, a place where people can achieve and, Mm -hmm. and do great things. And, and it's true that that's true, but what we have to do is accept each other to do that. And one, so one of the things I think is so important is that when we look at our communities, in order to serve our communities appropriately, we have to understand those cultures. We have to understand um, what how somebody how somebody comprehends something. Like they might not be able to look at the way we write something now or communicate something now uh, or understand it the same way someone else might. So I think, um, or we may not understand how um, when we communicate something that it means something different. So it's just really important to really understand our communities and help them see the value of water and help our community want to be us to be part of the community. That the, mm-hmm. So a lot of times now I think utilities aren't just there, you know, doing the, the core things, treating water um, and, you know, collecting wastewater and treating it and so forth. We have to be more part of our community to understand our communities. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so I think uh, it's the same thing in the WEF organization that it's important that we incorporate into our volunteers, our committees, um, the work we do, the understanding that we're not all the same. And that by not being all the same, we're bringing a lot of different perspectives, creativity, and we're actually bringing our communities into our organization, helping us to understand how we can better serve those communities. Yeah. Well, I love how you talk about we're doing more than just the work we come and show up and do work and go home that we're doing more than that now because you made me think of the Dr. Seuss book, the Lorax, how the Lorax, he talks about how he speaks for the trees. Like we're the Loraxes of water. I mean, who else is (laughs) going to talk to the community about water than than us? And so, um, but yeah, I love that the, the importance of recognizing that culture and recognizing that different people see things differently. I feel like when you when you do feel different, that's kind of when it all clicks that, oh, this is what it feels like to not feel like everybody else. And so right. I thought Tom Coonan's personal story at opening general session this year was oh. incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, I guess the quickest synopsis I can give is that he he's from Chicago and uh, a buddy of his that was visiting said that they wanted to go see uh, like gospel oh, yeah. music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Tom, they went and reached out and went, found a, a church to go to, but, and he was just how different he felt. Cause it was so the way that they, um, 
praised was so different than what he was used to. And that it was the first time that he felt different. And then it like that stuck with him. It was a great story. So, but it's important to experience that, to empathize. It is. And it's also important to understand that it's going to make you uncomfortable sometimes. Absolutely. And, but we need that. We need to feel uncomfortable so we can understand it. And I feel like that's a gift I was given as I was actually growing up, even though sometimes it didn't feel like a gift. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I, it helped me in my adult life to, um, to really accept others. And I've, Mm -hmm. I've never felt like, I've just always felt like it's so important to do that. I feel like it's a respect thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, just respecting another person. It doesn't matter where they came from or what they look like or any of those things to me. It's respecting Mm -hmm. people and listening to them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. We have to get more comfortable with being uncomfortable because being uncomfortable is the only thing that's going to motivate us to change anything. So that's absolutely true. Before I ask my next question, Jackie, I just want to point out that my husband just sold 11 cows to Columbia. Oh. (laughs) And so they're in quarantine now and we'll be heading there at the beginning of the year. So, (laughs) oh my goodness. The mini Hereford breed is going global. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Diversifying. Yeah. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) That's my one connection to Columbia. Uh, Well, it's so... I had the opportunity... I have a lot of family there still. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity um, to see them a couple years ago reconnect. And that was really awesome to do that. So that's very cool. Yeah. So um, I'll get into the next one then. Um, Workforce is another hot topic and a focus of WEF. And I love that you're so passionate about operators. Those are some of the people that we miss the most um, (laughs) since leaving and starting our company. Um, So what are some things that Charlotte Water is doing to engage operators both on the job and to bring more operators into the water workforce? Okay. So for a long time, um, we have been including our operations staff on all of our major projects. So when we have large capital projects, from the time we start planning them through the design and construction, our operations staff are sitting at the table. And they're not just sitting at the table. They're giving input. They are sometimes leading parts of the project in a sense. And I think they're very well respected. And it took time because I remember when I first started working in operations 18 years ago, there were operators there, but they weren't speaking up. Mm -hmm. And I would say to them, you need to speak up. You need to say what you think. And there was a lot of hesitancy with it. Mm -hmm. Over time and encouragement, it's really changed. And it it's so it benefits the projects immensely because you're getting the buy-in you're helping people to learn new new about new technology improvements and they're you know they're bring brought through so they can help the operators that are on site that might not be on the projects yeah. accept it and to learn how to use it they're bringing in ideas that other people would not think of. So it kind of goes back to that whole diversity thing again, where you're having your engineers and your management, your operations staff, but it's truly made us very successful that way on our projects. Another thing we do is um, even though, so we have 
five major wastewater plants, and then we have um, two small um, package plants. And then on our water treatment side, we have three drinking water plants. And um, one of the other things that we do is we try to um, incorporate those people into department-wide and citywide groups. So mm -hmm. there could be programs, activities, focus groups, whatever. We we put those people on um, those groups to give input for the department, sometimes representing the department. So it could be, you know, a campaign or something that we're participating like arts and science a lead could come from operations. Mm. Again, it's to connect them with the rest of the department and the rest of the city to kind of expose them. But it also provides development, like leadership mm -hmm. development, things like that. And so um, that's another thing. And through some of that too, we've been doing a lot of work um, for succession planning. Yeah. So um, for example, in my group, um, uh, on the wastewater treatment side, all of our plant supervisors now all came up as operators. Ooh. So they started out and then they became chief operators and, and then plant supervisors. And actually our operations manager, he was promoted from plant manager to operations manager. So, and we've got a nice deep bench following that. Nice. And I'm very proud of that because that's what we want to do. We want to develop people and we want them to stay operators. It's a professional job. Mm -hmm. It's not, or I should say it's a professional um, career. career. It's not, sure. it's not a job. It's not right. just a job. And so we're trying to help people see that so that they stay. Mm -hmm. We've got some other programs where we require that they get their certifications, their uh, wastewater certifications and their drinking water certifications. And they have a certain amount of time to complete those, but they also get, they move up in pay grade as mm -hmm. they get their certifications. And that's also been very helpful because, and the operators all help each other to achieve that. So sure. they really work as a team. Um, Charlotte Water too, recently in the last couple of years has developed an apprenticeship and internship program. And the apprenticeship program is to bring people into basically water careers. And um, a lot of these people, they're brought in at all different positions, but it, I would say it's the front line, you know, utility technicians, operators, different positions. They come in, I think for about six to nine months, um, the... Um, uh, many of the apprentices are people that maybe have had difficulty in landing a job mm -hmm. for different reasons. Um, and so they have the opportunity to work. Um, and um, if they complete their apprenticeship program successfully, then they get a permanent job with Charlotte nice, Water. Nice. Uh, and then the interns program is a little bit different in that we bring people in also to work, but they basically cycle through the department. And so they get exposed to different areas of the department. And then they're not promised a job necessarily, but a lot of times those are the younger um, people that are coming into the workforce yeah. that are looking for something. Yeah. And um, so that's an, and the city of Charlotte also has an apprenticeship program um, and they basically modeled it after the Charlotte Water Program. Oh, that's great. Oh. So we're really excited about that. 
Um, and um, there's been a lot going on. Our our city of Charlotte um, uh, government is very um, supportive of workforce development, diversity inclusion, and looking at how we can strengthen those efforts. And so they're doing a lot here in Charlotte to support that. So, so it helps Charlotte Water too um, to do For the sure. things we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So every city out there who thinks that um, <laughs> they can't game. do this or <laughs> how do I even start, you know, call, call Jackie, call yeah. the city of Charlotte, <laughs> call Charlotte Water. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's, that is a lot of times like you, you kind of go, okay, I, I want to do that. Or I want to start an internship. How do I even begin, mm-hmm. you know, that process? How do I begin doing an apprentice program? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I want to stress like to all the cities out there that, you know, have that inkling that they need to do that to reach out to the people like you who got, who are doing it so well and, you know, have it already figured out on your end. So, um, please. Yeah. Hit her up. Hit her up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and I will tell you, we've learned from a lot of other people too, you know, yeah, our workforce people have visited other cities mm-hmm. like DC they've gone to DC water and That's to Baltimore mm-hmm. and to other places to learn mm-hmm. um when we had the they had the uh, workforce uh the transformative issues on workforce yeah there were lots of people to talk to there i know atlanta's doing a lot of work mm-hmm. so there are some really great programs out there and i think that that's the key is to, like you're saying is to talk to each other mm-hmm. find out what different yep and find out what you're doing and i think that goes a long way so real quick i wanted to go back to something that you said that resonated with me and it was it was about how operators don't always want to speak up mm. and that it takes encouragement to get them to do so because i feel uh, i got i talked a lot about this at weftech actually with several different people um it was very operator heavy were all my conversations but <laughs> one of them was about how enough of them aren't at to the brought to the table. And a lot of times it's because of the fact that they don't speak up and they stay silent. So people make the assumption that they don't want to be asked to the table. So can you speak just a little bit more and like what that encouragement looks like? Because I'm thinking in my mind of all the times I told like, Alex, say something. Blake, yep. speak up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't want to... So like, yeah. what does encouragement to you mean? It means that when... So it's kind of two different ways. One is talking with them separately and just saying, you know, you should speak up and kind of talk to them about why maybe they're not speaking up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might be intimidating. Um, pe- some people are shy. Like there's all different reasons. They don't want to rock the boat. Um, yeah. 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 And all those things. And so a lot of times I'll find out good ideas that they have. Uh, on a specific project. And then when we're in a meeting, kind of saying, oh, Steve had this great idea. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve, why don't you tell us about it? <laughs> you know, and try to, and I tell them, I might put you on the spot a yeah, little bit, yeah, but I'll sure. be right there with them. And um, and over time, it's just become where our project managers and our plant supervisors who you know, our operations people and our, some of our operators are in there have gotten more comfortable. It's yeah. just over time, it t- takes time, mm-hmm. but I think it's just continually encouraging that they have a role and how important it is that they speak up, like telling them why it's important yes. to speak up, that, you know, their point of view or their perspective might not get 
considered if they don't speak up and that it could make the project that much better. And then when we do celebrate our projects, they're included in that. Mm -hmm. They're part of the team. So when we have something, so we've, we've had opportunities where we've been able to present on projects, um, both in North Carolina um, and at WEFTEC mm-hmm. and at other conferences. And we've sent our operators to help present projects. And that's kind of another way to recognize people yes, say, you know, we want you to go with so-and-so to present on this project yeah. because they were part of it. And mm-hmm. so, so we try to do those things. Um, we do a lot on our, um, where all of our plants are, um, uh, NACWA award winners for operational, um, staying in compliance for, of a hundred percent of the time and those kind yeah. of things. And, um, and when we, and we recognize we ha- we'll have a luncheon or a breakfast or something with our, our operation staff at each of the plants when they get these awards. Nice. And we talk about, you know, thank you for, you know, we know this plant's under construction and you guys are trying to work around it. Just mm-hmm. kind of recognizing the effort it takes. Yeah. So it's just always kind of looking to be able to say thank you and to help them feel like they have a voice, at, yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Those two, those two words go a long way. So that's really, that's really important. So thanks for, for going a little deeper into that, because I I was thinking about some specific people in mind when you said that. So, um, another, Oh, one other thing I was just say is that, um, encourage them to get involved in other things like operations challenge. Mm, Yeah. That is one of the most awesome workforce development programs there is. Yes. If there's a way to do it, and I'll tell you, our women's team we had this year, they got ready to go six weeks before. Mm-hmm. And the idea was for them to go and learn. And they we we're very proud of them. But also, there's a lot of operators out there with great ideas. And that operator ingenuity contest that we have at WEFTEC. Mm. Oh, yeah. It, and it's not hard to apply. I think the application process is in June. This year, we had eight operators that got up and did a, a presentation about wow. their great idea. And it used to be like three. Yeah. So oh, my gosh. I didn't really realize great. that was a program. I yeah, telling I everyone tell now. everybody now. Like, <laughs> when, when, usually on Wednesday morning at WEFTEC. Oh, my Wednesday gosh. Morning. That is so awesome. In okay. the innovation pavilions where we... Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's like those kind of things to give them the opportunity, the experience it helps to build Definitely. confidence and recognition. Definitely. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know how I missed that. Wow. <laughs> it's, on, it's not on the calendar now. Yeah. I feel um, like I have to tell every, a lot of operators I know, like you need to see, this is where your idea goes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's so an cool. awesome program. Um, so another group of folks that we need to keep engaged are our young professionals. And, you know, especially once we get them in the door, we want to keep them here and keep them engaged. And so that can also be a challenge sometimes. Um, yes. But, you know, I noticed a ton of young professionals that were just doing amazing things at WebTech, mm-hmm. whether it was at service projects or with engaging with other students. You know, it was just, it was amazing. So this is a two-part question. So first... Mm-hmm. Why does WEF believe that activities like that are so important to engaging specifically that segment of the workforce? 
Oh, well, because we're not going to have an organization if we don't have people <laughs> continuing to come into the water workforce and <laughs> continue to be members of WEF. So, and um, it is absolutely energizing to have young people be mm-hmm. part of WEF. And again, bringing another perspective, more ideas, um, thinking about the future and what's important for the future and helping older people like me understand what's important for the future because it's important to me to leave a, a, a strong legacy um, and to leave something for our youth. And there's youth to come after that. So mm-hmm. we want to continue that pattern and help people really embrace what needs to happen in the future to protect our water. Yeah. And and so I just think that the more we can do to bring more young people in is just absolutely critical and trying to get them there to WEFTEC. Um, again, like uh, having the opportunity to present or having the mm-hmm. opportunity to network with other people in general, getting involved on committees. There's just so many places it's so important. As a matter of fact, this year as part of, um, so our board has board committees that mm-hmm. we as part of our board to get certain things done. So we have a finance committee, a strategic advisory committee, and a um, governance committee. And this year, um, I and normally it's the board members and then we have like some of the committee leadership and the House of Delegates speaker that are involved in that. Um, this year, I um, wanted to have someone from the Young Professionals Committee on our strategic advisory. So nice. our the chair, Vanessa Burkowski, is uh, going to be on our strategic advisory committee. And I think that's super important yeah. for her or, you know, to have that experience, but also to get her perspective at that level. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I hope that it's going to do... Um, it, that she will enjoy it. Um, she'll get to see how we work on some things together. Uh, I hope it'll encourage uh, her and others to continue to work in WEF and move into further higher up leadership roles. Yeah. Um, and um, so I'm very, very excited to be able to do that this year. Um, and I hope that we can continue that in the future also Absolutely. to keep engaging. Yeah. And you kind of touched on the second half of my question, which oh. is related to... No, it's perfect. <laughs> you softballed that for me, um, <laughs> which is perfect because you talked about how powerful it is for young professionals to get to go to WEFTEC because, I mean, it's not only this amazing experience for professional development reasons, but I mean, that's where so many of us like come to engage with our tribe. Right. So uh, this past WEFTEC... She didn't get to be there because mm. she was sick. And so she had to go home mm-hmm. early because I was like, you need to get better. Yeah. And I was reflecting on this a few days ago. Is it like as weird as it was for me to be like an H2 Uno and not an H2 Duo? <laughs> I, I like never once felt alone. I was like, I was looking at my texts. I think that's why. And I had like 15 text threads from WefTech of people being like, where are you at? What are you doing? Da, 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 da. And like just... It was amazing. And it, it, it's such a family. It's, it's a so family. big, but such a family. And it's so important for young professionals to see that and to feel that and to understand that. But for a lot of people who are just kind of beginning in their careers, that can be a really tough sell to mm-hmm. management or to whoever to get them to go. 
so what advice do you have for them to kind of get that support to attend? And what's your call to action for like the managers and that are overseeing these young professionals in those roles? So I think some of my advice is that if you're a young professional and you um, ha- and you would like to come to WEFTEC, there's a few ways to do it. And one I would say is to think about the many opportunities there are for professional development. Maybe this could be your uh, professional development event that you select for this year. You could go to your manager with there's a there's a list, I think it's still on the website on how to get to WebTech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can look at that and see if you can make your business case to, for the investment that your manager can make for you because you're going to bring value back from WefTech to your organization. Yeah. So there's a way to do that. You know, um, submit an abstract for the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... You'd be surprised how many people, even though it's a very um, competitive process, you know, don't give up, you know, mm-hmm. submit the abstracts. If it doesn't work the first time, try it again. Um, get involved on the on the program committee. There are several symposias that are part of the program committee. It may be that you come in and work as a moderator, mm-hmm. um, but there's ways to give some business case for you to be there. And I would say as a call to action to the managers is, is this, this is truly an investment in your, your company and in your staff. Mm-hmm. And if you have people uh, that work for you that are doing a great job, this is a great way to recognize them. Send mm-hmm. them to WAFTEC and let them have the opportunity to really see and learn and let them bring that back to your organization. Yeah. It's, it's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. And I can say that because I've pushed a lot of my staff to go <laughs> and we've had a lot of people go. Um, and this year we had several and many of my staff did it by submitting abstracts, getting on the program, uh, being involved on committees mm-hmm. and the value they have brought back to our department is immeasurable. Like yeah. just learning about things we just did not know about. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's technology, some of the research, um, you know, meeting people, networking with other utilities exactly. or other companies and mm-hmm. learning about things they're doing. I mean, it's just invaluable. Yeah. So I can't, I think it's one of the best investments a company can make. And just personal growth. I mean, personal to, growth yes. to gain that confidence, you know, to join a board and or join a committee and just gain confidence in yourself that, um, you know, that's, that's invaluable right there. So I love that you mentioned using it as an incentive, you know, yeah. like don't give them a plaque and don't give them right. a gift card to Olive Garden, send them to WefTech, you send know, them to WefTech. so right. much better. It is. <laughs> and I think, I think it's so important. And Really, it's important, I think, for young people, too, to get involved in your member association. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, as you get involved on those committees and eventually on a board there, that will also, you know, it's the leadership uh, skills that you get working on a committee and then on a board are also things that you might not get in your job, per se, but you can get them in other ways. And it's a great way to do it. 
And several of the MAs give scholarships to send young yes. professionals to WEFTEC. So yes. there's another good reason to get involved. Yes, yeah. yes. there you go. <laughs> yep. There's lots of good ways to get there. So at the 2019 YP Summit, um, we had the um, awesome honor of having you at our table. <laughs> yeah, we were so excited. Um, and we we talked about how this industry can be frustrating for people who want to see immediate results. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're kind of a risk-adverse, slow-to-adopt environment. Kind of. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, at least some parts of the industry are. It's true. Um, and you, but you've made progress in some of your climate change initiatives, but it's also been a journey. Yeah. So can you tell us more about that journey and some of the words of advice or encouragement about why we have to remain resilient and patient? <laughs> so um, patience is definitely <laughs> the, the word, but um, I think that it can be challenging sometimes when uh, not everyone sees um, the need as much as as you might see it. Yeah. And, um, you know, for example, um, here in Charlotte, you know, we have a very, we have beautiful trees and we have green landscape and the river is running really well with, you know, we look like we have an abundant amount of water. Mm-hmm. However, that's not necessarily the case. And we can't just, because we have it, just pretend that we don't need to do anything. Yeah, it's fine. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So so we have to look at the future and we also have to prepare for when we might not have what we, what Mm -hmm. we have now. And, um, and we all know what we're seeing with climate change. Mm -hmm. It's uh, just, well, scary to me, absolutely scary what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so in my experience, I, I well, really more than 10 years ago, probably, oh gosh, uh, 15 years ago, you know, I was start thinking about a lot of these things and already starting to see some of the change that was happening. And back in the, I guess, it was like 2008 timeframe, we started working, uh, talking with our power company about alternative energy mm-hmm. and looking at uh, combined heat and power. And at that time, there weren't any incentives or anything, but we were just kind of discovering all that. And then uh, I went with the delegation um, to Vienna, Austria, and we went to see what they were doing in, in Austria uh, with um, resource recovery, energy efficiency, alternative energy, all you know, biofuels, all of those things. And it was an absolutely amazing trip just to see how the culture had embraced all of this mm. and they, they, um, what they were doing was amazing. And so that kind of energized our delegation to come back and say, okay, there's some things we can do here in this community in North Carolina, and we've got to really push these things along. And, um, so it, it motivated me to also do those same things and try to encourage in my utility, um, to, to see what we could do as a utility as part of our community. And so through that, um, we worked on energy block grant with the city and um, they did a greenhouse gas emissions 
at that time and um, study. And it showed that um, there was a fairly high percentage, I think it was like 17% of greenhouse gas emissions from wastewater mm. treatment. Wow. So that helped us to promote our combined heat and power project up yeah. to the top of the list. Mm. But from that time, which was probably in 2011 till just in the last couple of years, we finally were able to install that project. It's just a lot of fits and starts to get these things done because of um, helping people understand the need and making the investment with the capital as compared to other projects that have to get done, you know, we have a lot of infrastructure needs, rehabilitation and improvements that have to be done. So trying to take a project that you don't, you might not be qualified as needed as compared to something that you, you know, have to do because it's an infrastructure project is, it can be a very hard sell. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. So, that's why the patience comes in place because mm -hmm. you have to you have to kind of make the case for it. And we were fortunate that we got um, we had a couple of lucky breaks mm -hmm. <laughs> along yeah. the way that helped us to um, be able to implement that first CHP. And so it's it's running now and doing very well at our largest uh, wastewater plant. At that plant, we had about nine hundred pounds of methane gas being flared. Mm. And now we're making a little bit less than one megawatt of power, which is a little bit less than 20% for our that treatment plant mm. at that plant. And, um, and so it's something we're extremely proud of because we've, we're making a difference in our community. We're benefiting our community by doing that. We're not just flaring the gas. Now we still have more work to do, but it was yeah. a step in the right direction. We're looking at, um, and so uh, we have another project too. We're working on a nutrient harvesting project started in 2011 and, it, and we're working towards getting that completed this year or That's getting awesome. it implemented yeah. or as far as the construction and everything in this next year. And again, it's kind of a labor of love to do these things because you have to stay with them, help people understand the purpose and the benefit of it, how it benefits the community and, um, and how um, it'll be important for the future. One of the things I think that is helping a little bit too is to think about things a little bit differently than the way we used to. We used to always think about um, when we did things in a very linear way mm -hmm. in our planning, but now we think about circular economy and thinking yes. about the cycle. And so that we're reusing everything. Yeah. And that really helps. So when you think about the, even the nutrient harvesting project, you think about, okay, we're going to make a fertilizer from this nutrient, from this phosphorus that can be incorporated to be utilized in the community for a beneficial reuse. Yeah. And so it keeps, and so and you can incorporate workforce development into that. You can incorporate, you know, all kinds of benefits to the community. And so if we start, so now trying to think about things that way helps us to plan and justify these projects a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember looking around at the table at the YP Summit on the looks on the faces of some of them as you were talking about patients. And so it, <laughs> it made me, it's, it's a really important role for 
managers and leadership to um, mentor them through that patience and through that right. um, adversity and to to keep on it so that we don't lose them um, out of frustration or, you know, like recognizing those small milestones. It just... I had to have people do that throughout my career because I'm incredibly passionate and I want to see like change happen. And so I've had people that have helped me do that. And I think that's really important for people up the chain to... Um, to recognize the value that don't get frustrated with them because they're upset or because they want to see something now. Like that's just like admire them and, and encourage kind of that, that passion because they're going to need that. Oh, I agree. And I think it's getting a lot better. Like I, so when I first was working on those projects, there was a person that said to me to be patient. And I thought, and he was saying, it's going to take probably 10 years. And I didn't believe him, <laughs> but it did, but it's done. You know, it happened. Yeah. You got and to now, see it. right. And so I think now we've got some really good tools. Like for example, Lyft mm, um, right. is an awesome program that helps utilities to see what other utilities are doing. It helps network um, people to to do pilots. That's another thing that we've done here at Charlotte Water too is we've piloted a lot of technology before we've actually implemented. So we have been able to do a lot of other projects too a little bit more quickly, like piloting high-speed blowers, for example, Mm -hmm. which has helped us reduce our energy by 30% in that particular area. Mm -hmm. Um, There's things that you can get ideas again from other utilities that are doing these things. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I don't think it matters if you're a large or a small utility. I've seen small utilities do amazing things. Just talking to people at member associations. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I was up in New England last January and there's some great work going on up there. Um, mm-hmm. In small utilities, you know, implementing new technologies, piloting, trying them out, and then implementing them. So I think... There's more of more momentum now sure. that you still have to be patient. You still have to, you know, we have governing boards. We have to educate. Yeah, definitely. And we have to educate our management and help them see a, a, that it's an investment, that there might be a business case that maybe the payback isn't as soon as we want it, but there's an investment mm-hmm. and it's going to be something really good for the future. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful based on how people are now looking and, and people may be recognizing mm-hmm. the need based on all the, all that's been happening with our, with our, uh, changing weather and our, all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Something our mentor, Greg Wukash, um, talked a lot about to us was, you know, in public education, you're not going to do an awesome campaign and get you know, 100% behavior change in 90 days right. or even a year. It may take 10 years. It may take 20 years. It may take a whole cycle of generations, you know, right. a couple of different generations to get where you actually need to be. Um, and that's that's something about education. You know, you have to be patient about it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yep. So we believe that mentorship is vital to the future, but even more so, we believe that it's imperative that women are mentoring mm-hmm. women we have to lift each other up and share experiences and help each other grow. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about your journey and the people you've inspired or who have inspired you along the way? What kind of mentorships are you passing um, now onto the other pe- women in the water sector? 
So I've been very, I mean, I, I've had some wonderful, I have some wonderful mentors and not all of them are older than me. Some of them are younger than <laughs> there me. You go. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I'm and, her mentor. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, I, I would say, you know, one of the first ones was when I was in college because the professor that, um, was working with the environmental, uh, engineering program was probably one of my very first mentors. Mm. And, um, and I didn't, I don't know that I knew that at the time, but, uh, she just always was there checking on me. And I think that was just having those conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had another really, um, I have a really good friend. Her name is, uh, her, she, um, was, uh, our biosolids manager at Charlotte Water. She's retired now. And she, I think because of, she also came from, you know, she educated herself as an adult. She, um, she, she didn't ever give up. She worked in this man's world mm-hmm. and at a time that that wasn't, um, I'm going to cough. I have to cough for a second. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, she um, again was somebody that I looked at and was like, "Wow, if she can do this, I can do this too." Sure, and she yeah. pushed. She pushed me a lot. She she didn't always say, "Oh, you're doing a great job." She would tell me when I wasn't doing yeah, such a great a job. Men- that's a good mentor. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a cheerleader. You don't want one of the. You want a mentor. Yeah, you want a mentor, <laughs> and that's that's something that's really important that people need to know that you need to be able to to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. Yeah. You know, you just really need to to learn and to grow. You have to know what mm-hmm. those things are, and so she was wonderful for me to help me learn how to. Um, work with other people, how to understand other people sometimes that I didn't understand, taught me a lot about uh, being involved in the org- in the um, in our North Carolina member association. Mm-hmm. And and she's the one that pushed me to WEF too. Oh, okay. So um I like her. Yeah. <laughs> so she's oh she's so awesome. Has so much energy and um is somebody I love very, very much. She's just a wonderful person. And, um, and then it's been so many other people like that around me that, um, have, that are women of, from all different paths that have encouraged me. And there's a lot of men too. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of men that have pushed me. Yeah, too. for sure. Um, and I just think that they're, you just know they're there when you're going, you know, whether you're going through something, um, hard or something very difficult or when you're having, when you're celebrating. And, um, I think something that's really important. We lost you for a second. Um, but we just say if you could give us one, the magical piece of advice. Well, I want to know what the most important thing. (laughs) I know you left us on a cliffhanger. Ask for help. Ask people, ask people, you know, what they think, ask, reach out, reach out and ask people. Cause people are going to be hesitant. Like they might see something about you that they want to help you with, but they might be hesitant. Some people might be hesitant to say, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, <laughs> you could have done this, like whatever. And, 
And so, you know, don't be afraid to go to somebody that you feel like you can trust. Yeah. And talk yeah. to them. And again, it doesn't have to be somebody that's older than you. Mm-mm. It can be somebody that's younger than you. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that, but, and a lot of times, I mean, I think it's important to have both of those views yeah. because you want to know how you come across, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially fronts. like, yeah, especially like if you're presenting or something, I think it's important to kind of get those viewpoints, but yeah. even like in your job and, um, and if you're working as a manager or you're working on a project, how you present yourself, all that stuff. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah, I think it's super important to kind of set up that level of like candor and, you know, some vulnerability in there too, to be like, I'm trying to grow. I may be like awkward for you to give me this input and have some grace with me and my reaction, like give me a minute and let me marinate on it. But I mean, right. that's, that's right. really the only way that you yeah. grow is by having people being honest with you. So yeah, I appreciate and try- that. And also try to make sure and make the time for it too. Mm-hmm. Like you're always going to be busy. Always. You're always, always, but make the time and just you go to lunch, you know, or have a coffee or something, but make the time. Right. It's really important. So I just wanted to ask before we get into our lightning round, I just wanted to ask this last <laughs> question because of your background. I mean, as an engineer and as someone who's been um, heavily involved in the operational side of a uh, utilities um, we being on, I hate this phrase, but I'm going to say it like we on the soft skill side yeah. of emotional intelligence. Yes. <laughs> um, from with your background though, and, and seeing like all the amazing stories that got told and the keynote speaker at opening general session at WefTech, there was definitely um, a stress on the incredible importance of emotional intelligence and communicating. But I kind of want to hear like, what's your take on like, why do you think communications is so important to this industry, especially now? Because we have stayed invisible for a very, very long time. And so people don't understand why it's important, why it's important to invest in our infrastructure, important to invest in water, uh, how we affect or how we can help to come up with solutions to deal with the impacts we have from climate change and global mm-hmm. warming. Um, and it's not, and it's a global issue. So it's not like, I think in the past, it was just the philosophy that we just kind of stayed in the background, did our job. As long as people could flush the toilet and they could turn the faucet on to get water, everything was good. Yep. But, and, and unfortunately, I think because of that, it's always like this um, thing about, uh, oh, you know, we're the lowest cost, you know, and you think about what people pay for other types of utilities and services, and we don't hold water up to that. I was in, I, I had the opportunity with Water for People to go to Bolivia a few years ago in 2011, and, um, and I was able to be with people that were building their water system. They were Mm. trying to get water to their homes. They were learning about sanitation, things that we take for granted here in in the United States, in most places. I'll say in most places in the United States, there's still places that don't have that so readily available. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's not going to change until 
we make ourselves visible and we help people understand that this is an investment that is critical for us to live and to, and, and to have what we have. Um, I, you know, I was, I was in South America last October and, um, I had, um, I was hearing about these tremendous, amazing treatment plants that they were building in different parts of the world. And, um, they were going to make this huge investment, but part of, part of what wasn't necessarily planned was how they were going to maintain, maintain those plans. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the, the investment in people mm-hmm. that are needed yeah. for those things. So just helping people understand that here's a career you can go into here are, here is um, work that's needed to protect the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so that, so people will learn about jobs. People understand the value of water um, people understand that water isn't everything we do. If you think about the UN Sustainable Development Goals, water touches all 17 of them oh, in yeah. some way. Absolutely. And so, you know, you just think about, I mean, just even thinking about, um, you know, um, gen- gender equality, mm-hmm. for example. You think about, in some of these places, the women and girls are the ones carrying the water down the mountain to their communities. Mm -hmm. How can they go to school if they're doing those things? Just Mm -hmm. things like that, that we just don't think about sometimes because we don't necessarily have to think about it, but we really do have to think about it. We do. Yes. So, yeah. I was just only going to add that at the beginning of every single town and every single city that's ever been developed, in the center of every one of those is that water well. Mm -hmm. Is that ability to you know, get drinking water and make it safe. And if you don't have safe drinking water and if you don't have sanitation, then you don't have a thriving economy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I would challenge anyone who gives me any of the, what they consider to be the most pressing issue for the water sector. I can challenge anyone that I can show the communication element to it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Because some people say, because you can't silo communication, just like the same way you can't, water is not going to stay where you want it to stay. Uh, like, right. Uh, you can't silo communication in the same way. It is a integral piece of everything. When you talk about getting people to value things, getting people to understand things. Um, yeah. We, well, we play a game that's like, name me an issue and I'll name you how communication's involved in it. So, <laughs> Well, it's so true. And I mean, even when you think about like pressing issues, like we've been talking about emerging contaminants. Yeah. yeah. And we've been, <laughs> I mean, that's a very complicated, very, mm. I mean, PFAS is one, but I mean, there's always an emerging contaminant. Mm-hmm. Making sure that we're communicating the importance of sound science behind regulation. Mm. that's all through communication education is helping the public understand not react out of fear of something we don't know about right yeah so all of those reasons are i mean and again to help people make the investments in the right way well we appreciate you taking the time to to chat with us um so we're just going to take up a few more seconds of your time with our lightning round that i'm going to let uh arianne jump into Okay, okay, Jackie, what is your favorite book right now that you can recommend to us? Oh, Water's Worth It. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> easy. Nice <Nuts laughs> choice. <laughs> um, yeah. What's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Um, I spend time in the morning meditating mm. to get ready for the day. Nice. Nice. And, jur- and I journal. I also journal a little bit. Nice. Oh, very good. It's important to take that me time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Get your mind right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Ar- Ariane and I were in water utilities doing public education and communication and outreach for 10 years before we went rogue and started Rogue Water. <laughs> and uh, so we spent a lot of time with folks. And sometimes we would hear people say, you know, what difference does it make if I make a change? Like I'm just one person, not going to make a difference. And so obviously we wholeheartedly disagree. I can tell by the look on your face that you do too. <laughs> so yeah. we would tell you, you'd never know like what your change, what you do can inspire in others. So what is the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? Yeah. Um, Wow. That's a hard question. (laughs) There's so much. Um, I would say uh, to get involved, to become educated, get involved in WEF and, (laughs) and learn about how you can use your talents towards furthering uh, our protection of water quality in the environment. Absolutely. And then do it. And then do it. And then do it. Yeah. And then do it. Do it. Always yeah. on brand where your president <laughs> is bringing it. <laughs> um, and I have to point this out. I have to ask, is that your PNCWA shovel bucket? Your bucket. You? I see that. If, the if bucket. you look behind you. Oh, yeah. I see the is. gold bucket. Yeah. I mean, yes. oh, my messy office here. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't see that. We just see the gold bucket. We yeah. spend a lot of time looking at that logo. So I, even like though it's a little blurry from this far away, I was like, the <laughs> I PNC know that gold bucket. Yeah. Uh, logo. Yeah. So uh, outside of, of course, our home MA, which is uh, Texas, we, uh, the Water Environment Association of Texas, I would say like PNCWA is like a, it's our, oh, it's our yeah. second home. It's our adopted home. Yeah. What is it? A we, micro. A migrant home or the migratory bird home. Oh, <laughs> going instead of going south no, for the south. winter, we go north. We go north. <laughs> That's funny. We There's so actually... we have so many good member associations. I'm going to tell know. you what. So mm-hmm. many, and I have amazing memories from all the ones that I've gone to visit. I haven't I had a chance it. to visit Wheat yet, which I'm dying to go there. Come on, I know. Let's go. But, and I'll, I'm going to get there. But it's just, you know, trying to get around to everyone. I think <laughs> that the OF president needs to come to Texas Water this year. That's what I think. <laughs> I think so too. I That's think it's like one of the largest uh, yeah, conferences, and yeah. like state conferences in the country. It is yeah. one of the great, largest. Great I mean, you have two handlers right here. We'd be happy to show you. <laughs> in Fort Worth, you can come oh, at the yeah. office. Like, come on. <laughs> Done. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Pencil, pencil us in. <laughs> no pressure. Well, um, thank you so much for, uh, I know you're incredibly busy. Yes. It's a Monday. Um, I just, yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a great conversation where we're so excited to see what you have in store for WEF this year and uh, for Charlotte Water also. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you. Keep rocking it, lady. Yeah. Thank you. I will. You too. <laughs> Keep we'll communicating. Try. Yeah. Yes. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Lab Notes, formerly the Water Nerd Newsletter. 
This is your one-stop shop for the podcast, Catalyst, and all things Watercom's revolution. Sign up at roguewaterlab.org. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at roguewaterlab. Plus, still keep up with the H2Duo shenanigans at the underscore H2Duo. Don't forget to share with your friends and fellow water nerds so we can continue to grow the tribe. Remember, it doesn't matter if you're a water communicator, educator, or an engineer or operator. You are a communicator. As public health stewards, we have a responsibility to the people we serve to have our comms game on point, to build the trust and support necessary to create a resilient water future. Investing in comms is an investment in yourself and your organization. Why? Because just like what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.